Welcome back to the Gentle Counselor podcast. My name is Crystal and I support mums through their inner healing and parenting journeys. For those of you listening right now, this episode is a little bit different because back in October of 2021, it was World Mental Health Day and I had some wonderful friends join me over three days to talk all about mental health and motherhood at the Aussie Moms Mental Health Virtual Event. I hope you enjoyed these conversations, which were recorded live at the summit. I'm also thrilled to let you know that we will be returning in 2022 and plan on making it even bigger and better. It may or may not involve a retreat. (laughs) Wherever you are right now, I hope these episodes find you when you truly need it. I would love to hear your feedback on these chats, so make sure you're connected with me on social media at The Gentle Counselor. If you'd like to receive an email once a month that is full of freebies, parenting tips, links to podcast episodes, beautiful affirmation screensavers, and other goodies, make sure you are signed up to my email list. I hope you enjoy this chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Aussie Mums Mental Health Virtual Event. So excited to be talking with you all again today. And I'm joined with Jackie from The Brave Space, and we're going to be talking all about supporting highly sensitive kids. Now, if you're here with us live, say hello in the comments that we can see that you're here with us. If you have any of your own questions, please feel free to put them in the comments and we'll answer them if we can. Um, And even if you're watching this as a replay, still do that because we will make sure to come back to this post after as well to chat with you and answer any questions that you might have because we know a lot of people have been really interested in this talk. It's very relatable for a lot of us, including myself, including Jackie. So let's get into it. Jackie, welcome. Do you want to tell us all a bit about what you do and why you do it? Yeah, sure. Hi, Crystal. Um, So as Crystal mentioned, my business is called The Brave Space and that business was started um, because I was supporting or navigating my way through learning about to support um, one of my children who is highly sensitive. So it really has been a a personal as well as a professional development for me. Um, To take a little step back, I am a mum to three little ones. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old and a baby girl who is almost two Um, and when I'm not with them I am a provisional psychologist so I'm completing my master's in clinical psych and I have a real um, particular interest in developmental psychology so infants babies um, up to adolescence as well. So awesome and Jackie I can't believe how is she two because Jackie and I connected when she was pregnant so like mm-hmm. that's that's crazy to me I I do not accept that's happened yet <laughs> I know I know it's nuts <laughs> gosh that happens so quick doesn't it but I love that about this community we have here is that we're we've all been together for so long now that we're like yeah. seeing everyone's like family grow and all the kids grow yeah. up and it's just so adorable it's lovely um yeah. so let's start off by talking about what does it mean to be highly sensitive and for anyone watching who maybe is just being introduced to this, how would they know if their child is highly sensitive? Yeah, great. So I love this topic so much because I think um, we'll have a chat about what it means, but understanding this is really like it opens doors to a totally different path in your parenting, in your relationship with your child, if you or your child is highly sensitive. So mm. understanding this content is, is so powerful and I guess why it's my pretty much my favourite thing to talk about in this space um, because so often 
highly sensitive children are misunderstood and that leads to misdiagnoses, mm. um, incorrect labelling, which, you know, then leads to incorrect, um, potentially incorrect um, treatment modalities and things, whereas if we have stepped back and understand what high sensitivity truly is, it can really as I said, change the entire trajectory. So what is high sensitivity? Um, at its core, I suppose, most basic level, it's actually a biological trait. So it's not something that we uh, develop as we grow or that we can, um, you know, step into as such. It's, it's a biological trait that's there in our genetics. So it can be inherited. We can pass it on to our own kids, much like we can have blue eyes or be tall or be, you know, extroverted. Mm. Um, sensitivity is a is a biological trait like that I think what's really important to note is that it is not a um, mental illness or a disorder it's um it's this trait that basically means um that we our nervous systems are really really finely tuned Mm. yeah Mm. so people that are highly sensitive and children that are highly sensitive will typically have um, a tendency to become very overstimulated or overwhelmed in loud or noisy environments um, as well as that they typically possess very very high levels of empathy Um, they're very intuitive these are the children that sort of can often appear wise sort of beyond their years or sometimes parents say to me it's like she's psychic you know she just knows (laughs) so they've got that beautiful element as well Um, and a real sensitivity to subtleties Mm. so these will be the children that notice if you are wearing a different perfume for example or if they go to preschool and the room's being changed around equally what can make it challenging for us as parents is they are the children that will pick up in subtleties of our own as well so if you are having an off day yourself as a parent or you're in a bit of a mood or a funk they will definitely pick up on that as well um so that's a broad sort of overview of what high sensitivity is Mm, yeah and I like that last kind of point you were bringing up how they pick up on those little things. So for us, it was me having to explain to my husband how my daughter, who is my highly sensitive kid, will pick up on his facial expressions, which Mm -hmm. my husband isn't very expressive. So for me as well, it's a struggle. So I probably am highly sensitive. I think I can identify as that now. So for us, we just think he's constantly annoyed at us. And so like we internalize it. So I've had to kind of explain to him, like you have to be very aware of your presence, your energy. When you sigh, we're like, what's wrong? What have we done yes, now? <laughs> yes, that is a perfect and so example. For kids, like that's super confusing and it makes sense with their nervous system because then that's attached to their fight, flight, freeze response. So mm-hmm. no wonder they go from zero to a hundred so quickly because they're constantly picking up on all of those little things. And I think that is one that's often overlooked mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. yeah, because absolutely because they're kids, you think that they couldn't possibly be aware of that, but they are, they pick up on all of those little things as well. Yeah. And I've actually got a funny example of that. So um, of my children, one, absolutely highly sensitive, no doubt about it. And the other one less so. And so the other day I was huffing and puffing about something I was annoyed about, you know, you're, I was stomping around and one of them said, I heard one, they were playing together. He said, oh, mum's really annoyed about something. And the other one's like, really? Is she? He like was completely <laughs> oblivious, even though it was quite obvious. Um, and I just thought it was so interesting to watch that interaction between, mm, you know, highly yeah. sensitive and less so and the level of perception. Whereas the other yeah. one's generally like, oh, what 
comments you think that? That is so, so funny. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for showing that. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love that you were able to be there to capture yeah. that because it could yeah. have been so easily missed. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yes. And I, and I think, like you said, highly sensitive children are so misunderstood. Mm-hmm. They, so misunderstood. We're so quick to label kids with bad behavior or um, even a diagnosis sometimes, especially when they start going into school and school's mm-hmm. really focused on you know, especially in traditional schooling where it's very much, you know, you sit still, you're quiet, you're yes. at your desk. Um, not everywhere is like that, but, you know, it's really hard to be in a structured environment like that and with, like, mm. 30 other people in the room. Mm-hmm. One of the most common um, misunderstandings, we'll say, is that I see people label highly sensitive children as shy. So what you might see is a child that's highly sensitive going into preschool, let's say, or school, and they pause at the door and sort of look around and they take their time sort of sussing out the lay of the land. And so what can often happen is teachers or parents that perhaps don't know yet about this, um, about sensitivity, high sensitivity, will mistakenly think that their child is shy. Mm. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with being shy, but what's actually happening is something very different. The child... So children that are highly sensitive have a deep level of processing. So what they're doing is they might be looking around to assess, you know, where will I sit and what are these different smells that I can smell in school different from home? Um, They'll be thinking about the fact that their parent is going to be leaving them there and they'll be thinking about when are they going to come back and and how will the other children feel in this situation and Mm. am I comfortable? So this depth of processing, it takes time. So it's not that they're even potentially worried or nervous about going into the classroom. It's just that they're processing all of this, that perhaps another less sensitive child bowls in and throws their bag down and they're already playing on the floor while our highly sensitive child is still processing. Mm. So, you know, supporting a child through shyness versus a child that just needs a little bit of extra time for processing, that's going to look very different. Mm. And so awareness of high sensitivity, this is where it can be so powerful, means that we can tap into what our highly sensitive child needs yeah. and, and provide that for them. Yeah, because it adds another challenging layer <clears throat> to parenting. Like, you know, parenting mm-hmm. is already hard as it is. And yeah. so when, when you have that awareness that that's, what, that's the process your child is going through, sort of like now you need to kind of adopt that and, and, and notice like that's what they're going through. So you almost have to do it with them as well. Yes. And, yes. and see it from that perspective. And then I think like that using that example with the school one, then you also have that pressure to feel like, oh, my kid is supposed to be or should be like all the other kids. They should be barreling in and happily going. You also get that pressure sometimes from the educator that's like kind of standing there waiting for you to leave or telling you to leave as well. A lot of parents mm-hmm. get pressure to leave their kids when they're not ready. So then you're kind of dealing with that. You're dealing with like, I'm picking up on something. I'm uncomfortable. I'm trying to think about what's going on with my kid. I'm having this awkward adult interaction with this other adult. I'm, I'm comparing my child now to, oh my gosh, that's what that other kid's doing. Maybe you've like never seen a kid do that because you're used to yours, you know, like there's all of these things going on. Yes. So I like that. We're going to be chatting about that a bit more. So Jackie and I are very aware that we also want this conversation to include that. We want to talk a bit about how you can support yourself as yes. a parent of a highly sensitive kid or if you're also highly sensitive and you have your highly sensitive child because there's a lot going on and we definitely want to acknowledge that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think this conversation is so great because once we understand these things and we can understand a lot of it in a chat like this, it doesn't require you to go and study for years or read textbooks. Mm. Um, it's like everything just falls into place. And yeah. while it does add another layer into our parenting for sure, 
the benefits that you get from understanding these, it's just like turning a light on. And yeah. so, yeah, I think let's definitely talk about though the potential for there to be highly sensitive child, non-highly sensitive parent, talk about that, but also highly sensitive parent, highly sensitive child mm. or vice versa. There's all these mm. different factors just to consider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what do you think are the strengths or maybe even the challenges of mm -hmm. high sensitivity? Okay, love to talk about that. Crystal, do you mind? I've just got this really, really amazing analogy that I learned from an expert in yeah. high sensitivity. I just wanted to share because for me, again, it was like a real penny drop moment um, and I think it will, Perfect. Um, people will resonate with it. So when it comes to sensitivity, um, we all, all humans exist on the continuum somewhere, right? And so this is, I'm going to credit this to Rachel Sampson, who is a clinical psychologist here in Australia and she uses this beautiful flower metaphor to explain sensitivity. So basically three groups, three different types of flowers. The um, population or the percentage of the population who we would deem as being having low sensitivity, that's about 29%. And we liken them to a dandelion. So they kind of can grow anywhere. They're less sensitive to their environment. Um, they can be resilient through, you know, rain, drought, um, winds being grown at the beach being grown you know in a garden as such they can kind of grow anywhere and thrive anywhere the next group which is represented by the tulip flower that's 40 percent of the population research shows and they'd have what we deem medium sensitivity so tulips are more common um so they're very common but they're less sensitive than the next group i'm going to talk about and they're also more sensitive to their environment than dandelions. So they might need certain kind of conditions for them to be able to grow and thrive. But on the whole, they're pretty common and, and pretty hardy. And then the last group, which we're talking about today, 31% of the population is what the research indicates. And there are highly sensitive children, adults, it, you know, it's across the lifespan. And they're represented by the orchid flower. So when we think about the orchid, incredibly beautiful flowers, but they do require some special conditions to be able to grow mm. and thrive. They need a certain amount of sunlight, certain type of soil, and the care that they require for them to thrive is going to be different to a dandelion flower. So it doesn't make them better or worse. It's just when it comes down to their particular needs and their environmental support needs, what they require to thrive. Does that sort of yeah. helped that's useful. I'm I'm surprised by the 30%. Yeah, I know. But right? also not surprised because of the mm -hmm. amount of conversations I've had with people and my own experience mm -hmm. with this. Because I really thought it would be less. And I, I I kind of like now knowing that it's not as rare as probably what we think or we've been made to think that it is. Yeah. And I think you you've hit the nail on the head there. We've been made to think it's less because mm. growing up in our time I'm sure every one of us heard the phrase, oh, toughen up. Oh, come on, stop being yeah. so sensitive. Why are you being so sensitive about this? And that was mm. definitely intended when it was spoken to be like a, like a, a negative thing. Mm. Whereas now, now that we have the research and the understanding and the conversations going on, we can mm. understand sensitivity to be the strength that it is. Yeah. Um, so that brings me back to your question. You were asking yeah. about what are the strengths of highly sensitive children and highly sensitive people as well. There's a lot. So highly sensitive children, generally speaking, are incredibly creative. They have these really rich, vibrant imaginations. So often you will notice highly sensitive kids are the ones that can really get lost in imaginative play, mm. um, but come up with really elaborate games that they make up um, and really enjoy that kind of creative imaginary play. 
Um, so they grow into being adults that have really inventive thought processes. So they're the inventors, the entrepreneurs, the innovators. Um, that's essentially the path that many of them follow if they're given the correct support. Um, high sensitive, highly sensitive people, as I mentioned before, have incredible amounts of empathy mm. um, when it comes to other individuals. So they, again, are healers and empaths and connectors. You know, they generally don't enjoy social situations that are full of um, small talk, you know, or just yeah. surface level interactions. <laughs> Philip are calling me out here. <laughs> hey, Crystal. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me with our conversations now, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what they thrive on is connection and mm. meaningful conversation and making links between things and connecting with like-minded people. That's what lights them up. I mean, hello, you running this event, right? <laughs> so that's a beautiful strength as well that comes with high sensitivity. Um, just to quickly, a few more highly sensitive people and kids, one of the challenges, and we'll come to them, can be that they feel things really deeply. So, yes, they are prone to overwhelm. Yes, they are prone to meltdown and intense reactivity um, when it comes to their emotions. But on the flip side, they also feel joy and mm. elation and anticipation and all of these really um, you know, positive, more positive emotions to feel, they feel them intensely too. So that's a, a beautiful experience. Uh, I need to sit with that. Mm. You've, I've never thought of it as in all the, like all the emotions. Like I know we, we knew it was all the emotions, but you've just made me realize how powerful that is to realize on what we are typically told are negative or positive emotions. We're so used to, like you were saying before, like feeling bad for the negative associated emotions of like crying or anger mm. or whatever it might be. But on the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, like you get extra excited, you're extra loving, you're extra caring. And I'm going to, I'm going to need to sit with that later. Yeah. Not now, because we're still doing <laughs> this, but I'm really glad you brought that up because you've just made me kind of realize that. And that's a beautiful thing when you think of it that way. So I love how you're talking about the strengths, especially yeah. for some of us that's, for some of us that are older, like, so we're adults now, we, we still have that, like, wounded in a child in us yeah. that was told all those things. So it's really nice to acknowledge that as yeah. strengths and gifts to us as well. Yeah. And they can be equally as much as they we enjoy experiencing those, those you know, big joyful emotions. That can take a lot of processing too. So mums mm. who are highly sensitive, let's use the one common experience we've all got, and that is having children, um, which is a, a big experience full of lots of emotions but undoubtedly one of them is joy and happiness um that can just that's felt intensely and so you know that can take a lot of processing too anyway tangent um so um back to yeah so definitely the feeling um some other strengths are that they are incredibly passionate so if they find something that they love they go all in mm. on it um and they will you know talk about it passionately research it they lose themselves in it into like a flow state when they're passionate about something. And finally, as I mentioned, um, highly sensitive kids or people um, tend to be really intuitive and that taps into that empath side of them. They are, they are very intuitive when it comes to other people, certainly, but also themselves. And so part of supporting them is letting them know that that is their strength and it's not something to be squashed or glossed over mm. or you know, tucked away. These are strengths that they need to be nurtured in our highly sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. And I am, I am still very aware that I knew that as a child, 
that I had a very strong intuition. I do think that's one thing that my mom got right with that is that because she was like that as well. And she would talk to us about that. She was a bit more spiritual with it all. Um, but you just made me think about how recently, um, and I shared in my stories, if people follow me on Instagram, um, how we had some interactions with strangers when we had to yes. go to the doctors the other week. And um, I'll try to keep it brief. So basically, we don't talk about stranger danger. We talk about tricky people. Um, and so there was just this day that we had a bunch of strangers talking to us and one in particular um, set my intuition off that something was a bit off. And then I was able to use that real experience to talk to my kids after. And so again, my daughter who's five, so she's able to kind of interact a bit more in that conversation, um, was able to identify because I said to her, I'm like, you're, you don't know who a tricky person is because it can be anyone. It can be someone, you know, it can be a stranger. Um, and so we were talking about like that. And she said, yeah, my belly was telling me that that was a tricky mm. person. And I was like, you know what? My belly was telling me that too, because I'm trying to teach her that it's your brain and your heart and your stomach. And for kids, that's the best way I could think to explain it for adults. You know, when you get like that pull inside you, yeah. like deep in your chest, or you get that butterfly feeling, whatever it might be, or even mm -hmm. because you are aware, then again, you're able to use your brain to kind of, you know, decipher what's going oh. on. Um, and that's, it's part of that too. It's like being intuitive to the people around you um, for a variety of reasons as well, that you're wanting to encourage that too. And that's yes. not to say that kids that you think aren't highly sensitive can't have that. I think yeah. it also is, an opportunity to grow into that but also it's almost like taking advantage of your highly sensitive kid having that already because you can yeah. really um allow them to hone that skill a lot sooner yeah. i would think than later yeah absolutely absolutely and i've heard highly sensitive children um be described you know that analogy of the canary in the coal mine oh yeah the first ones yeah mm, so i've read yeah. it's really interesting perspective actually that high sensitivity is um a an evolutionary like an adaptive trait because we need part of our population to be highly sensitive because they're the ones that notice wow. danger first right yeah. which makes a whole lot of sense and so in that situation your little girl she would have been that canary in the coal mine should you not have been there or even with you there to say something's not right here, like mm. getting a vibe or, you know, and so fostering that in our kids, whether they're highly sensitive or not, has immense value. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I love that. Mm. Um, so we know all the wonderful things now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we also know it's challenging. So what yeah. are some of the common challenges um, that you see happening with yeah. highly so sensitive children? Yeah, so I think probably the biggest one that parents everywhere and mums will identify with is this propensity to become overwhelmed. Mm. Um, so when we understand our high sensitivity in ourselves or in our children, we're sort of able to prepare for that and um, scaffold it a bit more. But until we come to that place, what you might be experiencing as a mum with your child is a whole lot of what looks like meltdowns um, and overwhelm. It can look like tantrums. It can look like so-called acting out. Um, and, you know, it manifests in as many different ways as there are different kids. So for some children, it looks like withdrawal. Um, for others, it will be externalised behaviours, screaming, hitting, crying, you know, so-called what they call tantruming. Mm. And really what the result of all of that is, is a state of, of complete overwhelm. So mm. for highly sensitive children, let's talk about them first, um, that do notice subtleties, have this depth of process that take everything on and being empathic they take a lot of other people's things on emotions yes. on too 
that experience is incredibly overwhelming. Mm. So in their early years, while they're still learning to self-regulate, they're still learning about themselves, about how the world works, you know, all of these developmental tasks, it's a tall order to expect that they're going to be well-regulated all the time. So highly sensitive children. We're not well-regulated all the time and we're adults. (laughs) Me huffing and puffing and stomping around the house the other day. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's just something to be aware of that mm. these children are going to need more support yeah. and they are going to need us as their parents to put up barriers to protect them and to preserve their energy, to um, to teach them about what it means to be highly sensitive, you know, at a developmentally appropriate time mm. and stage for sure. But then also we need to factor in if we are highly sensitive as parents, the noise, like let's talk about the noise of parenthood, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the mess, the the need to be on constantly. You know, I even feel like myself, there's part of me that's still on when I'm sleeping because I'm listening out for them or, you know, I'm the parent that wakes up when they cry. That's a lot too. So I think that that propensity to become overwhelmed can be the biggest challenge of being highly sensitive. But the good news is there's things we can do about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I realized how highly sensitive I was until I became a mum as well. And probably part of that is because of it being squashed for so long because you're just told <laughs> that there's something wrong um with how upset or how empathic you were or whatever it might be. Yeah. But it was also because um that level of noise and then having a highly sensitive kid and my daughter's a screamer. And mm-hmm. we'll go from zero to hundred in the tears as well. And so that's a lot too. And when you're also already unpacking a lot of your own triggers as a parent, like when you already yeah. find certain things hard in that for a variety of reasons as well, <clears throat> which is more of the work that I explore with my clients and circle security parenting is like the perfect um, course. Yeah. If anyone's interested in kind of getting into the nitty gritty of that kind of stuff, um, yeah. that's really eye opening as well. Yeah. But the noise and the mess and the constant, constant, like everything is never ending. You know, there's, there's no moments to stop, no moments to breathe. Really. There's always something to do. And when you're in that constant state, and I always use the like volcano analogy, you know, if you think about bubbling up, it's like noise, mess, screaming, work, um, everything else that we have to deal with as an adult, everything that life throws you anyway. And you're constantly at that bubbling surface then it seems like seemingly small things can then set you off and then you like explode and overflow. Um, But, and that's a big challenge in itself too, but just like how we experience that, our kids experience that. So you got two bubbling volcanoes (laughs) and you're both triggering each other and setting each other off. So it makes sense. Like I want people to know, like it makes sense that it's hard. It makes sense that sometimes we're going to have imperfect moments and we're going to be reactive because it's really hard. It's really hard, especially like we were saying, if you are also that highly sensitive with your highly sensitive child, it's it's really tricky to manage. Yes. And then we've got other things like the pandemic that we're in. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. has the pandemic, especially yeah. for you, because I know for you, you've been in much worse conditions compared to how I am in Queensland with you experiencing lockdowns and things. So how yeah. have you found that? Yeah. So let's talk about the pandemic and, and about the influence or the impact of that on um, parenting in general and then parenting sensitive children. So, yeah, as Crystal said, I'm in Sydney. So this has been the end of week 16 of lockdown for us. Um, As we record this, it is Sunday and tomorrow restrictions are lifting and we will be allowed 
back out and, um, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of rules around things, but the restrictions are lifting essentially. So um, that meant kids haven't been at school. We've been homeschooling. My little one's preschool has been closed. Um, and there's just, you know, I know so many parents globally have had similar kind of experiences mm. of lockdown or uh, reduced social contact. And it, the impact has been huge. Let's mm. just say that from the outset, no matter how long or short you've been in lockdown, we have all been impacted by this. So um, the pandemic has presented challenges for families, I suppose, all over the world. Um, you know, we've had the contact restrictions, the lockdowns. And with that, if we want to talk first, there has been opportunities for increased family cohesion as well, which children are going to benefit from by all mm. being home all together. Mm. But it's not been a perfect situation because parents are at home working and juggling homeschool. There's been economic stress, health stress. So I want to acknowledge that, yes, there is an opportunity there for good things in terms of, and I know some people I speak to say, you know, it's actually been nice to step out of that routine mm. and be home with my kids but I want to also acknowledge on the flip side that there's been incredible challenges too. Mm. So some of the stresses might include um, for children, definitely lack of peer contact. I watch my little ones have their class meetings on Zoom with everyone talking over the top of each other and they don't know how to use <laughs> technology. So and the teachers there in the middle being, let's all use our mute buttons. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> I want to talk about stressful. So definitely lack of peer contact in context that they're used to, being able mm. to play face to face. Um, a reduced opportunity for stress regulation activities, so like swimming lessons cancelled, yeah. park, park plays cancelled, playdates cancelled. So there's been that. Um, there's definitely been isolation from villages, so grandparents, yeah. family, friends, aunties and uncles, that's all been reduced too. And then a big one for our highly sensitive children has been the lack or the loss of a structured day. Yes. For, for many, let's just talk about all kids, they all thrive on having a structure or even a loose structure in their mm. day. And that's been completely abolished, which is a novelty for many at first, but after a while they come to crave that structure mm. again. So um, there's been all of these impacts. And then the biggest one, I think, for our highly sensitives has been the fact that they are going to be picking up on any parental stress. So we mm. spoke about that level of, of in, intuition and empathy so for parents that might be experiencing fears, um, so for, even for parents that have managed to shelter their children from the news or if your children are at an age too young to understand truly what's going on, as parents, we have, you know, lived with the anxiety of the pandemic, of health concerns, perhaps health concerns about ageing parents or friends, um, economic stress, losing or having work reduced, so we are carrying all of this and no matter how incredible you are, that's going to impact you. And so mm. highly sensitive children are going to be picking up on that um, and then they take a lot of that on too. And that's, I think, perhaps, you know, since we're speaking generally, the biggest yeah. challenge of parenting. Yeah. And, and it's a situation that you can't control. There's nothing we can actually do about it. Um, so when people are talking about surviving or coping through it, it's like we also need to have that understanding that, it is going to be very hard. Mm. Like there, yeah. there, there is no light at the end of the tunnel for a long time. There wasn't as well. Like you're saying, it's only just tomorrow that you're finally able to kind of like have a couple of freedoms back. But for a long time, it's mm. like that constant uncertainty. And we still yeah. have that because we're still in the middle of it, really. We're not going to know the full impact of everything. And I think for people in our positions as well, with like counselling and psychology services, um, for me, I know that I need to be aware of asking clients like what happened to you during the 2019, which is also ridiculous to say when 22 yeah. is like 
two months away now. Um, like it's a huge period of our lives that we've actually been going through this. So yeah, it's collective trauma. That's why people are talking about it being as collective trauma. It's like you need to understand that this has been a very scary time for all of us, especially as adults, because we're actually old enough to understand like the full depths of it. And then some of us know people personally who have actually been affected by it with their health or even passed away. It's full on. So I don't mm-hmm. think we should have that expectation to pretend that we can act normal. You know, yes. like none of this yes. is normal. Mm. It's so really don't add that as a pressure yeah. on top of everything else you're doing to be like, oh, you know, I think as parents, our, our instinct is to, to steer the sheep and to take it all on and, mm. you know, forward we go. But you don't need to be acting like everything is normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think take that off your, off your to-do list. Yeah. That is absolutely fine. And, look, there are things that we can be doing, simple things yes. that you can be doing. So can we maybe talk about that too? Yeah, uh, well, I was going to say, because the way I, mm. I talk to clients in general, like with who, are, who come to me because they're traumatised by whatever in their life, but also in cases like the pandemic, is that if you think about how you feel emotions, I like to talk about having a baseline where you're just kind of like meh or okay, like you're just kind of going about it. And then you have all the emotions of like happiness and joy and excitement up here. And then you have things like fear and anger down here, but also in those elements of fear and anger, there's more depth to it. Like you might be irritated, annoyed, irked, but then you're like rage, you're like mm-hmm. inconsolable, your depression, anxiety, like all that lives under. So it's not about getting from down there to all the way up here. That's yeah. not what the goal is. The goal is to do something to help you out that's going to get you from down here to like, like here. Because once you're yeah. here at baseline, then you have the opportunity to maybe go here. Yeah. But that's not the yeah. goal to go from that d- dramatic to that dramatic. So I think um, I like using that kind of visual to kind of explain to people as well what we're talking about, about supporting yourself. It's not that you're going to go, oh, I feel fantastic today. You might just yes. be like, I felt crap and now I feel okay. Like I feel like I yes. can somewhat manage. So, yeah, let's yeah. talk about um, how we can support ourselves as highly sensitive yeah. people or supporting our children. Yeah. So let's, I've sort of tied these. I've got, what have I got? Four, yeah, four suggestions for things that you can be doing for yourself, for your children in the home that are going to make that those incremental differences. And like Crystal said, the goal is not to be, you know, functioning at, I mean, it's great if you are, but if you are thriving, if thriving is the goal, I think we need to be a little bit more realistic Mm. for our children and know that to get to thriving, it's probably going to take time and Mm. it's going to take time for the pandemic to roll out as it will. And yeah, so let's just, Look at things that we can be doing to make incremental improvements for us and them. So the first one is tied to the fact that we talked about highly sensitive kids and people feel things so deeply. Um, Children, given that they are so young and still learning to identify what they're feeling, some of them won't even be at the stage where they can say, I'm feeling anxious or I'm Mm. feeling overwhelmed. Um, This is a confusing time because they also, we've got to remember, they lack the life experience we have to know that this will pass so for them it might feel like this is just life now Mm. (laughs) so they don't have that that experience that we have so my suggestion is to remember that you as this taps into what you just said crystal we don't need to be there to offer all the solutions to them Mm. we just need to be there to listen so Mm. a big part of feeling things deeply is the fact that we aren't always looking for them to be solved we need to emote and we need to talk them through so Remember that your role for them is is listening and letting them holding space for their big feelings and big emotions and their messiness and letting them just feel all of that from a place of just being like, that's okay that you feel like that. I understand that you feel like that because many of us do too. Um, And I'm big enough and strong enough and love you enough to let you feel all of that 
and give you space to do that. So that would be my first suggestion. And I guess the thing is, if you're an adult and you're feeling all of these things too, is to, um, you know, to seek that opportunity for yourself. So if it's yeah. in your partner, if it's in a professional, wherever it may be that you need to get it, know that that's a real need to be heard and to, mm. to be able to um, work through all of this. So that's something worth exploring too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of support services out there as well. Um, I will make sure to actually add that to the comment box, um, like Lifeline and um, all those free services that you have, as well as reaching out to Jackie or myself if you want more of a professional level. Um, or we can always, you know, yeah. um, refer on to other services. So um, just for anyone who's watching in Australia, we all, Jackie and I always recommend you go and speak to your GP because you can get a mental health care plan um, that gives you Medicare rebated sessions to see a psychologist. So that can be super helpful. In saying that, unfortunately, we have huge wait lists at the moment. Um, so I think it's also okay to look for alternatives, um, yeah. to look at like counsellors. There's a lot of counsellors with availability which is a whole other conversation to get into the psychology-based counselling space. Um, but I just wanted to make that point that there, there are people out there, sometimes it just takes a bit to find who you're wanting to talk to as well. Um, but yes, uh, Chrissy is also just acknowledging the need to feel heard. That is so true. And I love how you explain this. Um, loving this and taking so many notes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so back to strategies. So my second one is talking, we've talked about how highly sensitives are typically very intuitive mm -hmm. um, and perceptive to others' emotional states. So given yes. that we know the pandemic is full of emotional states of, of, you know, the whole spectrum of human emotion at the moment is um, we need to be conscious that our children absorb the energy of this as well. Our highly mm. sensitive children or apply it to yourself as highly sensitive. Um, and so it can be exhausting. And I think, the strategy we need to employ for this is to be conscious of the conversations we are having around um, our children, be conscious of what they are, um, their consumption of news, um, of, you know, anything around them that could be, they're catching snippets of it because they yeah. are always absorbing it and they're creating meaning for that in their own heads. So while we know that the daily, you know, Gladys, our Premier used to do the daily tally, right? And so it was a conscious decision for me not to have that daily um, update of cases on because, you know, hearing numbers like that and hearing the doom and gloom around it yeah. is overwhelming for me and let alone for a child. So we need to be very conscious and to be teaching them by modelling the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, about boundaries and about looking after ourselves and our consumption as well. Yeah, that's excellent. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the third one is the fact that we've talked about the tendency to become overwhelmed. What we need to be doing again is teaching or supporting, scaffolding our children to set up a ritual or set up to learn strategies for themselves when they do feel like that. Mm. Because it's sort of um, an inevitable thing that there are going to be times when highly sensitive become overwhelmed. And so we need to have this toolkit and we can develop it for our children while they're still young toolkit of things, strategies, things that we can go to when we feel like that. So things like from, you know, really simple strategies like a body scan, breathing exercises, but then, you know, mindfulness, sensory play for children can be another really good one. Yeah. So by learning what our triggers are um, and matching the support strategies to it, that can be really powerful too. Mm. Yeah, having um, sensory play is really underrated, actually. I don't think people realise that um, sensory includes um, self-regulation. 
Mm-hmm. It's actually really important for especially highly sensitive kids to have that. And children learn through play and also um, just like our form of therapy is like talking to people. Children's form of therapy is more playing. Um, so that's a great opportunity for them as well to process things or just to relax. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Like a tray of sand or even just like super simple. It doesn't need to be elaborate. Set up little buckets of water and like pouring and scooping water. So yeah, relax. I've done that so many times. I just chuck a towel down and I'm like, yeah. go for it. And or I'll put yeah. soap and bubbles and they just think it's great. And I'm like, oh, whatever, entertainment for a little bit. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't need to be complicated. Um, yeah, definitely. And then the last thing I wanted just to mention was um the fact, and this is a bit of a strategy, is the fact that some cultural messaging that's really persistent and continues to persist, even though there's a lot of, um, you know, going against this now, but it's still there. And you'll hear it particularly from some um, generations, older generations, there's still this messaging there that high sensitivity is a weakness. So Mm. hopefully our conversation today has illuminated the fact that it is absolutely not. Mm. So just being conscious of conversations and the way we talk about sensitivity in our homes, painting it to be the superpower that it can be Mm. um, when we're with our children, with ourselves, the compassion we need to show ourselves and self-awareness if this presents I think that's probably the most powerful game changer for all of us. Yes, that is such a good point. I'm like, my brain's already exploding thinking of all the things that come up with that, like knowing what how to phrase things to certain family Mm -hmm. members that might make comments. Um, So I think that definitely if you're going to take any time um, or if you know that you're dealing with things like that, yeah, have a a real think about what are some go-to phrases that you can say to people um, that you feel like are crossing a line as well with how you're wanting them to speak to a child or not. But yeah, that's amazing. I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat, Jackie, and I hope a lot of you have gotten more information about not just for your child, but for yourself. And hopefully this was also a moment for you to feel seen and heard in your struggles. We get it. We've been there. We're still there. We get it. (laughs) Um, We experience it as well. Um, Jackie, can you tell everyone where they can uh, find more of you? Yes, thank you. And thank you so much for this chat. As always, I could sit here and talk to you for I know. I'm like, oh, what a time. sort of lunch in chat. <laughs> um, so thank you for giving me the time and space to have this conversation. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow me, my main place I hang out online is Instagram. I am at the underscore brave underscore space underscore. Um, my website is thebravespace.com.au. And also I would love if anyone, if this interests you, this conversation resonates, join me in my free Facebook group, which is the Brave Space Mama Huddle. Um, so we can chat more there. Yeah, love it so much. Thanks, Jackie, for taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks, Crystal. Bye.